Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Black Menopause and Beyond, and this is Anita Powell. I am the host of the podcast. Um, I'm a community advocate and a community worker, and I include the conversation of menopause within my work. So I do do um, delivery, face-to-face delivery, and online delivery of conversations. That's, That's what I like to do. And as part of my delivery, I include my podcast, as well and I talk about and interview people who I come across as part of my menopause journey. I, I'm i a co-founder of a group called Black Women and Menopause and I'm also a founder of a group called Menopause Alliance, a group that works within my hometown of Bedford and Working on those two groups has given me an insight into the conversation around menopause. So um, black women in menopause, as you can imagine, is the conversation around black menopause. And my Menopause Alliance group is a multicultural group that currently see each other face to face. And I also do other things around the conversation of menopause within my hometown. Now, running two groups is really beneficial because it gives me an understanding of menopause experience from different narratives. So within my my current group, I have Caucasian, Asian and Black. And we talk about menopause collectively. But I also then work on Black women in menopause. And I can clearly see that the narratives are different and there are different influences, some around the subject of... Um, ethnicity, some around class and some around perspectives because some people have a very natural approach to menopause and some people they just want the medication. So it's quite beneficial me doing different things around the topic of menopause because it gives me an insight into what um, menopause is around from, around, about from a conversation level. I don't give out medical advice. I, I signpost as part of my job, encouraging people to engage with professionals, uh, especially black women in menopause. We, we um, on every two months, we organise Zooms where professionals have access 
um, or the general public have access to professionals they traditionally would not have access to. So it's quite beneficial and we always try and arrange for things to be free. So it makes it more accessible for parts of the community who economically cannot afford to even have that conversation. So I've been quiet for quite a few months because um, quite a few things have been happening to me actually. So I was at the beginning the 1st of May 2022. I was quite blessed because I was able to go on, or so I was interviewed on BBC Breakfast talking about the menopause and Davina McCall show with the producer, um, Kate. And I was talking about um, the experience of being a diverse woman and going through the menopause and, and your symptoms being ignored. So that was quite interesting for me. Um, and some things have happened since then because I've, I've done some corporate work talking about the menopause. So that, that's been really good. Um, and, and just talking about menopause and diversity and, and greater community inclusion and all things like that. So that's, that's kept me away from podcasting, which I do apologise. But also, I've also had an experience, an ex- experience which happens to quite a few women. Um, I think around, around well, I suppose it happens in life, but I, I had a, a business arrangement where I was a senior person and I was basically pushed out. I was pushed out and I did not like it. I mean, at the end of the day, I've got loads of things on. It's not the most important thing in my life and whatever, but I was pushed out of um, a business arrangement where I was like a director. And I just, it just made me think that's what's happening to women everywhere, and especially older women, because we are being erased out of existence in all kinds of places. Our value as women are, um, it, it's, it, we're just devalued as we get older. And we are utilised for our caring services and then we're thrown on the heap. That's that's what happens to us. But that that did upset me and put me off to um, do my podcast, I'll be honest with you. But it also made me reflect on what women are going through who are losing their work and, and jobs um, during this time period of the menopause uh, and they're having to have downsize or or leave workplaces because they're being pushed out or not valued or or their suffering is not being taken care of or taken seriously Um, and a woman feels like she has to leave because she feels she's not she can't do her job anymore so that's that's been going um that's what's been happening to me for the past few months and it's just put me off podcasting I'll be honest with you um but I'm on the game again I'm doing my thing in today's podcast I've interviewed my partner in crime Nina Nina is the founder of black women in menopause and she's an amazing amazing fierce woman and she's quite nice as well so I'm going to interview her, but we're going to do a, or we have done a series of questions that very, that we both experience on a regular basis. And people are always asking us these questions. And we thought, you know what, let's put it in a podcast or a podcast episode. So that's what we're going to do today. So I hope you enjoy the podcast episode for today.
hello, this is Anita from Black Menopause and Beyond. So, Nina, now you are not only um, the founder of Black Women in Menopause, you also are a health professional. You're qualified in in exercise and nutritional science. Oh, that sounds like a very complex thing. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's a bit more complex than I can do Zumba. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. So um, in in today's show type thing, I'm going to just ask a couple of questions. And um, the reason why I'm asking the questions is because I know um, as part of my day-to-day talking about menopause, people ask questions. And it, it I thought it'd be great for us to discuss some of these questions. So one question I've got here for you is black is the black menopause experience different than others in your opinion is it excellent question it's like the billion pound question is black women's menopause experience different than others oh wow attempts to understand why menopause is different for black women is founder than eater on sparse evidence to date in the uk um there've been a few attempts to assess whether menopause is different for black women, though most of this is being carried out in the USA. The issue for the UK, I suppose, is, and many other countries, to be honest, is that they are culturally different. And that brings us to, if you know, if we look at, well, what is the research in the UK? As I said, there's very few references to black women's experiences and or differences in menopause. For example, before the recent menopause landslide has taken effect, the last study in the UK on black women was 2007. And a sample consisted of about 22 women aged 45, I think it was to about 61. And it was a range of minority ethnic groups in Northampton. And only four identified as Black British. Is menopause different for Black women in the UK? Mm, Firstly, as a Black woman, we could, I suppose, think that menopause doesn't even happen to Black women. Why? Because according to mainstream media, it doesn't happen to Black women. We have those pictures. We only need to type into those search engines or read a plethora of newspapers, magazines to be overwhelmed with images and stories of white middle-aged women, often grey-haired, with their heads in the hands. Though the tide is slowly changing. Genetics, there's so many different things. It's a complex question to unearth the answer and on top of that to understand is it actually different well come walk in our shoes come tie our shoelaces and then people may understand that it is different I know for myself there's a mistrust of the medical profession and that's based on foundations of history of fame and fortune of a man called Sims that did unethical experimentation on powerless black women. It's a huge complex area. And I think the question, is it different? It's different for everybody. Is it specifically different for black women? Then personal experience, and it is N equals one for an experiment, and we each are our own experiments, is yes, because there's so many different aspects 
that come into play on it as well, whether it's social weathering or if people want to use other terminology, for example, adult child experiences, then that's okay for that side of it. But when you play that race card into it, it's, oh, well, it's not about race. Well, it probably is due to the extra added stress, which exacerbates our symptoms. When you're living in a a country where the majority is white, then I think people often forget that. They need to take off their glasses and look beyond just what they actually see on that one. So have I answered the question? Possibly. As I said, it's a complex question to unearth and unroot. I mean, I, when evidence, I, I suppose, of stories is deep-seated, then it's going to take a lot of time and effort to unroot those historical roots. I mean, I have to um, agree that it can, in my experience, lived experience, I think that many things as a mature woman, um, when I talk to different women, I can sense there are differences in many things, not just menopause, in many things. So for me, the conversation medically, I don't know because the evidence that's that's been given to me, I don't really feel comfortable to to, um, take accept it but it's because it's not it's not enough evidence um, and it's not enough research so the example you used or the 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 research that was done in Northampton of 20 odd women I mean I, mean, I don't I don't know much about that but does it also include the uh, socioeconomic social economic groups as well because I do feel that sometimes you know social economic groups are impacted by the conversation of menopause you know, does it include uh, pre-existing um, health issues? And sometimes what we have to remember about the menopause as well is the menopause can produce, is it 40 plus symptoms? And it could be one symptom has a bigger impact on one community than the other because each symptom is different. And we there are physiological differences, aren't there? Um, yeah. So these physiological differences might have an impact on one symptom, whereas on another symptom, it might not. Um, if, if, if that makes sense to you, Nina, doesn't it? So it's, it, you need to do research, which isn't just about the menopause. It's also about the symptoms of the menopause and how it relates to different ethnic groups um, and also cultural environments as well. Um, and and taking into, take into account, I think, social economic groups as well. I think that, that because at the end of the day, if you are economically more comfortable, whether your outcomes in the menopause are probably different than someone who is poorer than you, you know. Um, and if you have better, you live in a location with better health care, whether you're rich or poor, if you live in a location with worse health care and you're rich or poor, whatever, it has an impact on your menopause experience. So for me, the research isn't adequate because it hasn't taken all the influencing factors that 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 you need to take into account. Um, and ethnicity... Um, I think social economic grouping, country of origin, because country of origin is important because the cultural conversation needs to be brought into it. So if you belong to a community that does not talk about the menopause, you're less likely to engage in the conversation of, of how to self-manage the menopause, in my opinion, uh, because you come from a community that doesn't talk about it. If you belong, come from a community that does talk about the menopause um, or the taboo is less, then the conversation about how to self-manage probably is incorporated into your management of menopause and it will produce better outcomes. That's just common sense. And research from what I can see just does not take these things into consideration. And as you mentioned about like social reverie and things like that, women, um, 
who experience obstacles and disadvantage generally have worse health outcomes. And it's not Dr. Anita saying that, that's just what, if you look at the research from the National Health Service, if you look even stuff around COVID, you know, COVID for some women um, from different groups with regards to to groups who experience disadvantage, um, who are disempowered, who have increased obstacles in life, no matter what ethnicity, their relationship with COVID generally was not as good as women who had had advantage, less obstacles, and are empowered within the community. So for me, the conversation around Black menopause experience different. I think for some women it is because their life experiences and their obstacles and their access to advantage. And and the reason why I say access to advantage, women as a whole are disadvantaged. But some women, because of their status in society, experience advantage because either they come from um, economic positive backgrounds, they're perceived to be more important than others. It could be through wealth, through power, through jobs, whatever. Yeah, and I feel that some women are um, they experience more disadvantage and they have they experience less obstacles because they have either money, influence or power to minimise problems when they arise. Um, so I think that black menopause, is, in my experience, is different than others because of life experience and also the lack of medical research which actually kind of reinforces the fact that some women have more value than others because some women are researched and others are not, um, to me also shows that there's a lack of value on the health and well-being of certain types of women in society. Yeah, absolutely. And the lack of research within menopause for black women and people of colour isn't there. You know, as you said, there are a number of reports that have come out that highlights health inequalities across the spectrum for black people. It's been highlighted in numerous reports and there's a clear and significant difference in the health status of ethnic communities compared with our white counterparts in the UK. And when you said about socially socioeconomics, there's so many different confounding variables to play into some of these menopausal experience that we also need to take on board. And from that, as mentioned, it is complex, but yet without research, and we're not having the research, Black women, and we kind of do ourselves a disservice as well because of that historical mistrust. In order to get the research done, we need to have more Black researchers researching on specific issues within the community to understand. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Nina. So um, I'm talking to fabulous Nina and (laughs) (laughs) a question that very often comes up um, in some of our Zooms that we do, um, because myself and Nina, we do uh, we um, Nina is the founder and I'm the co-founder of Black Women in Menopause. And we do Zooms where we get professionals who've got qualifications and, and experience in specialised areas that have around the conversation of menopause. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to find a bit more about us, just kind of go over to our social media um, <laughs> and um, see the social media links in the description for the podcast um but one question that comes up very often and it's quite relevant this question because something that 
always comes up is the lack of trust in the healthcare system when it comes to black women. And even though some people might think, oh, well, well why is it? The outcomes of, of um, black women's healthcare is dramatically worse, in, from what I understand, in most areas compared to a lot of ethnicities. So there's there's grounding, I suppose, for that lack of trust. If you know women are black women statistically are having worse medical experiences. But one question that very often comes up is HRT designed for black women? So Nina, what's your opinion on this? Oh, it's another such a complex area. And I'll go back to due to past of black people being experimented on. <clears throat> Is it any wonder that black people do have mistrust of the medical profession? I think there was the Facet report or Facet report found that black and minoritized women taking HRT, so hormone replacement therapy or menopause hormone therapy, MHT, was about 8%. And that this figure was comparable to a small study conducted to women, black women in 2021 which found that 10% were taking HRT. That study explored black women's knowledge and attitude in the management of menopausal symptoms using HRT. So it's the issue of HRT and other and many other medicines and their role in helping with menopausal treatments is not only about access, affordability and choice, and it is down to possibly centuries of mistrust within the medical profession. And it may also be a fundamental factor in why so many black people prefer alternative remedies. And I know we'll come to that specific question. For myself, on what I say is my menopausal holiday, I've dipped in and out of using HRT during perimenopause. And it wasn't one to remember. And I guess we parted ways (laughs) drastically, a bit like a relationship. But then it wasn't until I was postmenopausal that I made the conscious effort to try it again. And it hasn't been how they depict it in the media as revolutionary. It's still, for myself, a very much fractured relationship. And I think people need to remember we are each our own experiments. Why HRT for me? Because I wanted to help myself in terms of longevity and also reduce my symptoms. And I'm not dismissing HRT, it's a popular choice for a certain group of people and it has its place for many women irrespective of race in terms of the design factor it comes back to research and mistrust as well as that affordability choice and being informed and having that knowledge from my perspective okay that's good i mean i i hear this question very often so i I hear a lot of women say that they feel it's not designed for us um and because of that they're very reluctant um i suppose it comes down to that question because we haven't been researched enough with regards to it and there are there are some physiological differences as well as cultural differences um which may, you know, cultural differences relating to like behavior, I suppose, or lifestyle behavior, which might have a difference or might contribute to a different outcome with HRT. Um, but it's not taken into consideration. So, um, as, and as you say, there is a lack of trust. I mean, sometimes people think we've been paranoid, but it's, it, sometimes I presume the lack of trust is not 
it's not out of hate. It's at, it's it's out of ignorance, I suppose. And like one yeah. example I'll give is like vitamin D. You know, you look at all these, but um, all the vitamin D um, um, bottles you get give a, they do like a recommended dosage type thing. But that's presuming that you're white. If you're if you're not white, you the recommended dosage is way higher. <laughs> And it doesn't state that. It doesn't state that um, that that is based on somebody who's white. So if you're if you're if you're black and you need vitamin D as part of your well well being, so you've decided to be proactive and take a vitamin D, D medication. If you go by their recommendations, it's not. It may not meet your needs. Um, but you're not informed. You're not given that information. You're not informed, and that and that contrib- and that happens all the time. You're, because you're not the default, you're just ignored as part of the conversation. So when some women feel that they, the HRT is not designed for us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's because... They don't trust that the people who have produced it have taken into a consideration that there are differences. Um, and that's one of the reasons I feel. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I hear that question very often and it comes down to trust. Um, some women love it. Black women love it. So, you know, clearly it does work and it's an option that works for some women. Um, um, and some black women, in fact, for a lot of black women, don't even want to try it. They just don't trust it. Um, yeah, and that that also comes down to family as well. Mm. You more willing and have more trust for your parents, your grandparents, over a medical profession who doesn't look like you and who doesn't understand. Who's mm. already got a, possibly a preconceived notion or stigma about you when you walk into that practice without actually seeing beyond you know if anybody was subjected to what the likes of sims did then anybody would carry that mistrust and i know people don't want to think oh well mm." but it is that narrative then that's hard to unearth as the roots are very deep-seated and his unethical experimentation on powerless black women, then is it any wonder that black women mistrust the medical profession and anything that they provide in terms of the care of medicines? And as you said there, it's done on 
or for the majority. You know, you even only have to go back to body mass index and then within the last, you know, I can't remember how many years of having particular categories for black people, South Asian people, because there is, as you said, a physiological difference rather than just clumping us all into one mixing pot. We are all culturally different. And I, th- I think that sometimes people get confused with, okay, we're all part of the human race. Yeah, so that's, that. if you want to call it, one, one race. Um, but we still have physiological differences. And I think sometimes understanding diversity, understanding difference means that you don't, Some it's one of my irritants is when people say they don't see colour. And I think, why don't you see colour? Do your glasses need cleaning? <laughs> I mean, it's like if I talk to a man and say, I don't see gender. <laughs> it's like talking to someone who's 10 foot 10 saying, I don't see height while you're two foot one. I mean, how can you not see that 10 foot person in front of you? It's actually really disrespectful not to see someone. And because that means you don't you don't value their characteristics. You actually don't yeah. value them because you I think it's not important to take into consideration. Nobody's saying, oh, well, why do black people or black women suffer from fibroids? Why are black people more prevalent to type 2 diabetes or coronary heart disease? You know, there's such a complexity in terms of the physiology. Yes, we all have 206 bones, one cardiovascular system, etc. But genetics is a blueprint that is hugely complex and to untangle that we'll probably never get there but at least look into providing better or not even better but i don't know better care for marginalized groups of people and uh, i mean i remember what was it last year year before i was on this committee this health committee and this health committee wanted to have a greater understanding on the experience of the black community within the health sector and they they arranged loads of zooms and whatever and you had um statistical people as well as medical people there trying to work out and i thought this is 2021 or 2020 why why are you asking me this shouldn't you know by now (laughs) you clearly could see that their outcomes are different so you know that something is going wrong in your system yeah and we can go to the moon we could do all kinds of things i mean you probably could grow back my right leg if you want to (laughs) but yet you don't understand the influencing factors which contribute to a negative outcome from people from different sectors and it's a combination of a lack of consideration um when it comes to the research side, we don't take into consideration the differences, um, the physiological and the cultural. Um, you also don't take into consideration that sometimes people who work within the science area has con- have conscious and unconscious bias. Yeah, and they bring that to the table when it comes to doing research. So, um, and not only do they, do they have conscious and unconscious bias, they also are not aware of difference. They, 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 they're not diverse people. They don't understand that. Um, they don't, sometimes they don't understand their own privilege, let alone the, the, they, they don't understand the disadvantage of others. Um, and yet they're asking me in 2021, why do black people have different outcomes? And I'm thinking, you shouldn't be asking me this. I should be going to you, a person who, who's paid to work in this area, yeah, um, to, for you to give me answers. It's not my job for you. Um, it's not my job to tell you how to do your job. 
You know, if, if I bake a cake and it tastes disgusting, it's my job to go back and work out what I've got done wrong, what I've, where I've gone wrong, so that I can improve the flavour of the cake. If you can't bake a cake as a cook, you're not a good cook if you can't work out how to make it better. Um, and that's how I find um, science in the medical field are around diversity. There's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of want of knowledge. There's bias. There's unconscious bias. Um, and there's just a lack of understanding of people. It's a simple thing. People, we're not just organs. Organs are attached to human beings. Um, and I think sometimes that, that we need to understand that the failings of healthcare for diverse groups, whatever the diverse group, is down to the failings of the individuals who are doing the research. Yeah. That's my rent. So, Nita, I've got an, a, a question for you. And we, we do experience this a lot, this question, because uh, um, I think I've said in previous podcasts and stuff, I work, I'm a co-founder with Nina, and she's a founder of Black Women in Menopause. We work together as a team. We are the menopause team and we work together um, and we we organize um, zooms around the topic of menopause and we bring qualified experienced professionals who volunteer their time um, which is really great and they give away really unique um, knowledge to the women who come to our zooms and some of these experts these women would never have access to so what we do we do we do know make a major difference to some women's menopause experience because they're able to hear the words of people who they traditionally would never get access to. So but very often we hear the conversation around natural remedies are better than medical um, and, and medicines when it comes to treatment of menopause. Nina, in your experience, is this true? The question should not be a question why. That's, that is what is wrong with the whole menosphere. People echo chambering and championing what is better and worse. There's so many different co-founding variables, you know, one better than the other. This is a conscious and unconscious narrative, whichever champion, when it stops working, we'll denounce it and we'll move to the other side. You know, this, for me, for me personally, my core suitcases for menopause contain lifestyle-based interventions, and these will range from quality of sleep, activity, diet, hydration, awareness of stresses externally and internally. And we need to understand that everybody's menopause blueprint is different, and that we will each respond differently to the many different tools out there. And when we think that they no longer work in them, maybe that's the time to, to change and come back to something. It may not always be a negative experience. It may be a neutral or even positive. Just because 1 million people say it works doesn't mean it is right. And this is for, for both sides, in my opinion. Medical and alternative treatments Views will change over time as we evolve and explore the different treatments. This is for both sides, natural versus medicine. Um, I suppose there are many different things you can you can do. Just like take the weather, for example. You know, if it rains, it might last for several days. Eventually, it may taper off. Does that does that work, or is it something else? Unless you're tracking what it is that's having a huge impact or taken out, then it's very difficult. Is one better than the other? Can they both work together? We are each our own individual experiments, and whatever works for you, that is the most important thing. Nothing is a hundred percent 
valid and reliable. That, that is so true. That is so true. I mean, I, I know when people ask me the question, I, and I say, well, I'm not, I'm not a medical person. You know, I, um, I just about open, I can open a pa- pack of pis, um, paracetamols. That's, that's my medical degree. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> but one thing I do know is that sometimes natural remedies, um, alternative remedies or whatever, they can help alleviate discomfort. They can help. Yeah. Alleviate- I'll tell you what, though, Anita, yeah. what is the term natural? That's true. Some natural you know, are very natural, to be honest with you, and some natural are contained in, in traditional medicine. Yeah, and I think another misconception of that we ban the term natural around when ultimately everything is a chemical. True. You know, you can look at the chemicals in an apple, and if you really started to list all the chemicals and ingredients on that, it'd probably scare people. Isn't, you know what, if I'm wrong, please, please don't sue me, but isn't um, cyanide made <laughs> from apple seeds? Am I correct? Is is cyanide? Yeah, there's, apple seeds. there's something else in pears, and then in potatoes. This, yeah, but either, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you should go out and get a load of apples and then take seeds out and create cyanide and go go and you know upset somebody's stomach. Um, yeah, and and that's, that is the other thing. So I'm always careful in terms of well, what is a natural substance. Yeah. Suppose then you can go into thinking clean eating. Yeah, I go wash my fruit and veg. That's about as much clean eating that I might I might do. If each to their own at the end of the day, for me, it's a balanced point of view and not, I suppose, being pulled more in one direction. That's where misinformation and things can happen and go wrong. And then, as I've said before, people will then denounce and move to the other side because it's not worked. And if they're an influencer or have thousands of followers, then they'll either keep up that viewpoint, but knowing that they don't actually do it. It's, it's complex. A, it, it is. Well, that's I, I, what human beings are, complex yeah. I sometimes think that actually, um, it, rather than talk about, I suppose, natural remedy, remedies, it's also, it, you should really have a conversation around optimum health, really. So sometimes, you know, um, you could do things which contribute, contribute towards optimum health. And if you're optimum health, then you're more likely to have a more positive outcome with your medical condition. Whereas if you're not optimum health, if you've, if you've got vitamin deficiencies, if, you know, if you're not exercising enough, if, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you're not optimum health, um, then sometimes you do have more side effects from your um, reaction or whatever, your health reaction. Um, and maybe that's the better conversation because then... If you're not optimum health because of a medical reason, then that's when you go to the doctor, I suppose. Um, you're right on that point. We'd like to maybe have confirmation bias on certain things rather than look at the actual reason. You know, if, you, if you're drinking too much or not getting enough good quality quantity of sleep or the diet or all this, it's very easy to pick off something else because you'll confirm that particular bias. Yeah, so that's that's our um, views on, on natural remedies. It's not bad. We're not saying it's not bad. We're saying that, you know, it has its place in the conversation of, of good health care and so do doctors. So it's something where people shouldn't, demi- I don't think people should dismiss either one. I think people should have, be open-minded to understand that actually both of them may contribute towards better healthcare. Um, and is that something you agree with, Nina? Um, yeah, uh, 100% on that. Okay. And as I said there, you have to understand what is 
using the term natural part of that as well. If you if you go back to the basics in terms of a dietary intervention and you're looking at food, then where are you going on that? Do you need to take an additional something as a natural remedy if you're actually getting it from somewhere else, i.e. your diet? Okay. Maybe, you know, remedies. We're going to move on to the last round. So, Nina, um, one of the questions we... What I've got here is something that's close to both our hearts. And the question is, why do black, why do we need black representation for black women to engage with the conversation of menopause? Why? Well, when you see and you hear stories from people who look like you, you feel more connected. It's not just about listening to a story which is powerful, but you get that bond building up with the person who's telling you that story, who does look like you. It's helpful and it gives you support and validation. It's hard to be what you can't see. And when the media is representing one face, is it any wonder that many people have a belief that it only happens to a certain group of people? Definitely. And also, I've noticed, because I'm a community worker, I work in the community section um, or society or whatever, and one thing I've noticed around health topics such as mental health and cancer and other health topics, the image of these things are more diverse than menopause. Menopause, okay, okay, it affects women. <laughs> so we know that, that okay, you're going to see a one woman. in one. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so we do understand that. But actually, when you have when you see imagery from other health issues, they have more cultural diverseness, they have more class diverseness, and they have a greater representation of different scenarios. For some reason, menopause—I don't know why—has become quite fixed on an affluent white female who has a career. It doesn't focus on women who work at Tesco's, working class backgrounds. It doesn't include enough disability and diversity um, in the conversation of menopause. So it fo- in my opinion, it focuses on elitism within the women's within the women kind of area. I don't understand yeah, power, why. Power it's, and wealth. Yes. And power I think and wealth, that's unfair. For monetary reasons, you you look at it's a small representation that is in the media. And if you step out your front door, do you see what you see in the media? I mean, no, when I don't, no, don't. If we had further representation, it's also helpful in reducing negative stereotypes about other groups as well. And I think as well, it would it would help minimise some some concerns around mental health and kind of insecurities and anxieties that some women have because some women anxieties around menopause is aging so if you if you continually show highly attractive older women who look affluent who who look that like they could model clothes as the representation of menopause to, to a woman who feels insecure about how she feels because the aging process you're contributing and hasn't, and hasn't got the money to to keep yeah. up that particular appearance yeah they all were given that same privilege yeah they're contributing towards a negative they're contributing towards that woman's anxiety around her aging and her menopause experience they're not helping even though they're saying oh this is a representation of menopause and then you portray um, a size 10 woman who who's doing yoga um eating quinoa um <laughs> me and my quinoa eating quinoa and, um, on a way to 
on the way to a yoga class after she just attended a private doctor. And a four and... by four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's just contributing towards the kind of anxiety for some women. So yeah, yeah. that needs to change. <laughs> it it does. It needs to be more representative of the general population. Yeah. Definitely. And that way it stops social stacking of certain faces, how we should be, what we want to be, you know, me on my skateboard, that's me, you on your, on your scooter dodging in and out of the, the cars, that's menopause, not, it's not, not a certain type with your Gucci bag, yeah. things like that. It, it, it doesn't, yeah, we're having a little bit of a, a joke, but it's not a joke when it's constantly the same day in, day out. Yeah. The psychological effects that has is immense, not yeah. just to black women, but all women. All women yeah. or all people who go through menopause. Mm. And I think sometimes people fail to recognize or acknowledge that. And we want to check challenge change that narrative mm. and portrayal yeah i mean like well I mean, we're about to end but one of the things that sometimes irritates me about menopause and work the conversation it, it very focuses very much focuses on conversation of careers and how it's affecting women in the boardroom when actually it probably affects more women who work in supermarkets than it does women in the boardroom <laughs> you know but they continue yeah, to talk yeah, about you haven't got that medical yeah. insurance to to help them navigate the way through. Yeah, so, so why does why do we need more representation? Because it'll provide more support and validation. Yeah. When you see people who actually do look like you, then you will feel more connected and mm-hmm. understand rather than look up through glass and see something that really isn't you. Yeah. Regardless again of, of race. Mm, definitely. Well thank you, Nina. Well, I hope you have enjoyed Black Menopause and Beyond for today. And um, yes, the conversation with Nina was quite interested, interesting. And we discussed quite a few questions that both of us have been asked over the past few years. So we hope you have found it beneficial. If you want to find out more about um, Black Women in Menopause and Nina... Just follow the social media. So Facebook, it's Black Women in Menopause. And it's also the same in um, on Instagram and also Twitter. If you want to follow my social media, and that's Black Menopause and Beyond, the handle is BLK Meno Beyond. So BLK standing for Black, Meno short for Menopause, and then, then it's Beyond. And that's on um, Instagram and also on Twitter. And on Facebook, it's Black Menopause and Beyond. Uh, If you want to keep up to date with um, my new podcast episodes, just please like and follow any episodes that are released. Hope you have a wonderful day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 